of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. When you pull into the driveway at the rectory and start to make your way around the curb, there's a line of azaleas and magnolias there on the side. And for the last probably many years, they have been covered, just absolutely covered in vines. And I can't say as I noticed it the first year or so we were here, truthfully, but this past winter, I noticed this huge sort of high cover of brown vines on top of all of these plants as the leaves started to fall away. It was like this big brown sort of cloud hovering over them. And I've been looking at that cloud for a few months now, thinking about these flowering plants that should be lovely, that should be growing and blooming and offering the gift of their beauty to the world around them and frankly to us. And instead, they are just dying to breathe while their life is stifled by this huge vine, many vines, I'm sure, by this thing that is out of their control and not of their own making. And I said that as soon as it started to warm up, I would go out and fix this. So yesterday, I went out with some shears and some fun power tools and started chopping and pulling and clipping. And in some cases, I mean, literally sawing at the massive roots of these things, spending a lot of time kind of then winding the vines off the main bodies of the plants and then sort of pulling the, the leaves out from above me. And there's a huge pile now of dead vines off to the side of the driveway that's at least half as tall as I am and at least five or six feet wide. And I'm still not done. These vines are so strong and they've been there for so long that they are just choking everything, the forsythia, the small trees, the plants, just crippling them. And so there's more to do and isn't there always. But last night, as I looked down on these plants, which should be so much bigger and fuller, it was almost like I could watch them breathe for the first time in a very long time. Like now they can be seen and they have a chance to do what they were always meant to do, to grow and bloom and take in the sun and to stand on their own. And that, as I looked at them, made me feel like I could breathe, like I could take a deep breath in that way that sort of clearing the clutter and chopping down the vines and kind of rooting out the chaos always sort of creates space for us. It's cathartic. And it was good for me too to be outside and to be in the sunshine and to feel like I was contributing to the life of these other living things, liberating them in some way from this thing that is choking and killing them. Even though, and it's worth noting, that vine, the many vines that I sort of cut and sawed down yesterday, these vines that so carefully wrapped their way around the plants, it's a crafty thing, isn't it? It is alive too. It looks like life. In fact, it even dripped, you know, sort of sap all over me and everything else as I cut it down. But instead of giving life, it's taking it a little bit at a time, inch by inch, coil by coil. So forgive me for a minute for being a little obvious, but this is important. As you know, breathing is something that's really important to us and to our bodies. And I I don't just mean the kind of regular breathing that our body knows how to do when we're not paying attention, the involuntary sort of breathing we do when we're sleeping or we're busy with something else. I mean the deep kind, the stress relieving kind, the breathing you do when you feel good, when you feel alive, when you feel free. 
And the best example I could think of that is that when I was a swimmer, I would never get up on the blocks without first finding a way to take that sort of deepest of breaths, filling my lungs all the way down to the bottom and holding the air there just long enough so that my whole body felt full of life and ready to go. When Jesus first appears to the disciples today, he's in the middle of a locked room where the disciples are hiding because they're afraid. And he appears to them and he says, peace be with you. And they're so terrified that he has to say it again. So he does. He says, again, peace be with you. And what he's really saying to them is, it's okay. Don't be afraid. I'm real. Breathe. Because when we're afraid, we stop breathing. And I suspect that the disciples hadn't taken a deep breath since well before Jesus was arrested. So that's at least Wednesday of Holy Week. That's at least a week and a half ago. And here they are huddled in this dark room, hidden away, scared and worried and whispering to each other about the fear that is wrapping around them, around their lungs, around their hearts, like vines blocking out the light, blocking out their hope, vines made of fear and anxiety about what would happen to them, whether or not someone was going to come after them next to hurt them, to kill them. And probably their pride was wounded too. What they believed in hadn't come true. They thought that Jesus had come to free them. And they thought that everything was about to change. And now here they are huddled and hidden in this dark room where they are afraid for their lives. They are completely wrapped up in coils of fear. And I don't think we can blame them for that, truthfully. It would be very easy to judge them for that. But the coils of fear and the vines of this world the wounds and limitations of our stories and our bodies, the broken places, the vines that wrap around us are super strong and they entangle us. And often a lot of it is out of our control and not of our own making. So the disciples are feeling trapped and choked and afraid because now they have to go back to normal life, whatever that was, life before Jesus, life before hope. Life with whatever vines and limitations, whatever things were choking them, that they thought Jesus would free them of. The disciples, like each of us, have their own story, a family, a place that they've left behind in order to go be part of Jesus' dream, to hang everything they have on him. And now they think that hope is gone. So they have to go back to that story, to whatever they left behind, to the jobs and lives that they walked away from. Don't miss this morning that they are locked in, that they are scared because he's gone. And they think that so is their future. So their fear and their despair, if we try to put ourselves in that room with them, should be really, really palpable to us. But this week, when I read the text again, I couldn't help but hear it in a slightly different way, which is proof, by the way, that scripture is alive and that it has things to say to us in a changing world and a changing context. And I want to invite you to try this slightly different translation on with me. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the houses where the disciples were meeting on Zoom were locked and they were all inside, in separate spaces because of the fear of COVID-19. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. 
And because they were still scared, he had to say again, peace be with you. And after this, he showed the disciples his wounds to prove that he was real, that he was with them. And then he breathed on them so that they could receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they breathed in deeply for the first time in weeks because he was alive. And his breath and the gift of the Holy Spirit slowly started to free them and to uncoil their fears, to release them from their despair and to revive their dreams, to remind them that everything is possible with God. Jesus comes to be with them, to breathe on them and into them so that they can be who they were always meant to be, so that they can grow and bloom, and so that because of them, the world will change and be freed and alive as well. We are locked inside too, aren't we? Many of us afraid, many of us grieving, many of us wondering what God will do, what God is doing. And today, like every day, Jesus wants to come among us. And to you, he says, peace be with you. Don't be afraid. Breathe, beloved. Take a deep breath and breathe in the gift of the Holy Spirit, the very breath of God, so that the vines that are wrapped around you can start to snap and fall away so that you can take one of those deep, freeing, life-giving breaths in the midst of this moment of fear. Jesus comes for you this morning and all throughout the season of Easter to breathe this life into you so that you can be who you were always meant to be, so that you can grow and bloom and give life and breath to the world around you. I want to be clear about what I'm saying here and what I'm not saying. I'm not telling you to not be afraid of this virus. I'm not telling you to not be careful. And I'm not suggesting that you be cavalier about it in any way. None of us wants to be sick or to have loved ones who are sick. None of us want to be confronted with loss or with death. And I want you to continue to be as careful as you can for your sake and for the sake of the people around you. And what I'm saying is, what I think the text is saying, and what I think God is saying to us this morning is that unlike the disciples, your hope should be bigger than your fear. Because your hope, your breath, your life is the one who has already conquered death. And we know Unlike the disciples in this moment, we know how the story ends. Usually on this day, on this Sunday after Easter, I talk a lot about Thomas because I love him and I spend a good bit of time defending him because what he does in the gospel this morning is profoundly human and something we can all relate to. But today the piece that is most compelling is that Thomas wants to believe in the resurrection. He wants to see the glory of God. He wants to see Jesus in the middle of that scared, locked, darkened room. He wants to know that light shines in the darkness and that life is stronger than death. He doesn't insist on that. He doesn't ask to see Jesus because he's weak or bad or because he doesn't want to believe. The thing is, Thomas, like all the disciples, has let his hope be taken away from him. He knows that Jesus died and he just can't see anything beyond that. And grief is heavy like that. The vines around Thomas's heart and lungs are so tight that he can't see anything else other than what's right in front of him. 
And so he has surrendered his hope. The invitation of the text this morning, the invitation of God is to not let your hope be taken from you. You who knows how the story ends, you who are baptized into the body of Christ, you who are called to be disciples and apostles and to follow in the way of Jesus Christ, to learn to live like he does. You are called into life and you are called into love above all other things. Do not let anyone or anything take this hope away from you. Do not let the vines of fear or anxiety or grief of bad habits and unhealthy choices choke this hope and cause it to suffer so much that you are limited or that hope is chased away from you. If it feels like you can't take a deep breath, like you can't quite reach the sun, then find what is wrapping around that hope, figure out what the vines are and cut them, unwind them, pull them away. It's hard work but it's work you don't have to do alone. God is with you. We are with you. I am with you. And it is so worth it to see the sun, to feel the air, to breathe deeply, and to know that you are alive. Remember that at your baptism, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, the life that Jesus breathes into the disciples this morning in the midst of their fear. You were given gifts for such a time as this. Gifts and resources given by God for this moment to help you love and serve your neighbors, to help them breathe and cut away the vines in their own lives. You were given gifts so that you could sow hope. Hope for yourself, hope for your loved ones, hope for our community, hope for the world that we live in. And my friends, the world needs now that story of hope that is ours, the story of hope that is God's story of life conquering death so much. So on this second Sunday in Easter, fill your lungs with the breath of life, with the spirit of God. Take it all the way in, fill them all the way up until you feel that hope and that life brimming up inside you again. If you have vines to cut, this is a good day to start. And let your hope be bigger than your fear. Because God's love for you is bigger than any fear, bigger than any virus, bigger and stronger even than death. Amen. <laughs>